Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's up, Buckeye Nation? Welcome to Land Grant Holy Land's Instant Recap Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Williams, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, uh, Christopher Rennie. And we're here to uh, break down an Ohio State win, question mark. They won, but um, I'm not. Um, neither one of us really knows how to feel about the game. So, as always, Chris, how, what, are, what are your initial thoughts? It's uh, maybe 10 minutes since the game ended. What are your initial thoughts on this game? Yeah, you know, it wasn't uh, It wasn't a very entertaining game first off. So as a football fan, it was kind of just a – it felt like a chore to watch. And then as a person who was ready to see some improvement from Ohio State, there was enough to get me feeling a little positive going into next week's game against Akron. But there was just so much that went south, went wrong, that I just can't – like. Come like we won Ohio State won, but it didn't feel like this game were the steps in the right direction that you wanted to see coming off a of loss. Like they still came out flat. They still came out with no energy. They came out with very limited identity on both sides of the ball. And I, I'll give credit where it's due. The defense ended up having a pretty good middle part of the game from I think the second quarter to like the end of the third quarter. They played extremely well. Uh the offense never really got going, but you need to be excited about Travion Henderson because I, he's, he's a generational talent. You're already seeing it. That 277 yards or whatever he ended up finishing with, that felt like light work for him. Yeah. <laughs> like, they should have given him more carries. I, we, I tweeted at you, he should have had 400 yards. 
Yeah. I mean, even like, so um, this isn't about Ohio State, but Kenneth Walker, the who I'm having a love affair with, is uh, he had 30 carries, like 190-something yards. And I'm just thinking like, man, Trayvon Henderson had 24. If you would have given him six more carries, what would he have he done? He easily breaks It would have definitely been – it would have definitely been over 300, but could it have been over the 340 mark? Like, because yeah. what, uh, Trey Sermon was 332, yeah. right? you telling me in six carries he's not getting – With how he was running all day? 60-ish yards, yeah. And no. then you got to look at the positives. Uh, Cam Martinez had the pick six, uh, getting his first real action. You know, Denzel Burke, I think we we're both very excited about him in the future and his prospects. We think he's, he's the he's best player the on the best team player right on now. the team. Well, uh, on the offensive, on the defensive side, yeah, the I was, was going to say, it, it may be Trevor Henderson, right <laughs> yeah, and I, but he's the second best player and, on the team, and he's playing the second most consistently. So, really, like it's the freshman, it's the underclassman. That's why, that's why today I came in and I was like, I wanted to be mad, I wanted to be angry, I wanted to be upset, but I just saw so much from the young guys, from JTT to Tyler Ake Williams to these guys that I'm like. Hey, let's get these guys some run. And you know what happens? These these older guys are going to have to take that personally and either buck up and play some defense and start getting after the passer, start making tackles. Or these young guys are going to get the run and they're going to play and we're going to be a team for the future. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I don't have like snap counts and stuff. I don't remember seeing a, a whole lot of um, JTT and Jack Sawyer. I know JTT got rolled up on a little bit. Do you remember if he came back? He came back a little bit at the end. Yeah, him and him okay. and Travion both had similar scary moments where they both reached down and grabbed their knee and yeah. were all like, God dang it, nothing good could happen to Ohio State this year. And they came back and played. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting because the defense still rotated more than I wanted them to, but there's a lot of players who were really getting their first, you know, playing time who played decent. Seven came back, played decent. Tyleek Williams, I know he played a little bit in the last game, but it felt like he played um, significant snaps. And if he didn't play significant snaps, he was very effective in the snaps that he played. It's kind of hard to tell who's playing the interior D-line. Cam Martinez played his first significant snaps. He had an interception. He had a really nice pass breakup that led to the the second, the first interception, right? Yeah. Uh, um, Ronnie Hickman's interception. He played well for the most part. Um, Denzel Burke had an interception that they took Which, away. And honestly, that if I'm that was bad. Yeah, it was a pick. If I'm a yeah, it was a pick. If I'm Ohio State, I'm still giving him a, a Buckeye leaf for that interception because that was his. Um, what other, I mean, obviously, Travion played well. Um, I mean, Julian Fleming got in there. He had, a, he had a catch. A lot of the young players played pretty decent. I'm trying to think, is there anyone else that played that didn't play a whole lot? Not, I can't think of them. We'd have snap counts. But I agree. It's, it's hard to kind of, you know, it's hard to kind of put your feelings into this game. And the, the thing that I said to you when we first got on here is it's like, if you look at Ohio State, like it's just not a good team there was a lot of positive to take away from this game. If you look at Ohio State like it's Ohio State, this game is pretty negative. And I'm just really starting to think that maybe Ohio State's not a good team, but also maybe nobody's good. Like everyone sucks in college football this year. I I think you're on to something here. I think the lens we have put on Ohio State for the last two, three, honestly, even in the JT Barrett era, Dwayne Haskins even, you just never felt like you were going to lose a football game. (laughs) 
Uh, and in this this year, like you know, it's gonna be there's gonna be growing pains. This is a really young team. I think we talked about it. There's a lot of new starters, so uh, you know, you could get upset. I, I think upset still a very very accepting. Uh, you could accept that emotion right now. I, I'm still upset at the upperclassmen. I, I think they played very poorly. I think a lot of them played very lackadaisically, and I think they're bringing a poor attitude out onto the field and you see the young and that's where you see like yes we can blame the scheme all we want but why when the young guys get in the game when they're on the field do they start making plays yeah i mean we had no absolutely no pass rush all game until tyreek williams and i feel like i feel like every time the qb was pressured which really felt like it was only two or three times it was tyreek williams like i think it was him like every time I would love to see the pressure statistics because I don't think there was anybody else that really got back there. Yeah, I think Tyreek got back there a few times, but I think he might be one of the worst defensive ends at actually wrapping up the quarterback in the backfield. And I think outside of JTT, uh, I think Javante Jean-Baptiste got back there a couple times, didn't finish it. Uh, But mostly it was the interior pass rush and Tyreek Williams. Those were the two ones. Those were the guys who were creating the most havoc back there for him. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Um, it's just, it's yeah, I'm, I'm really torn. And anyone who's listened to me on any of the other podcasts and, you know, reads the stuff that, I, that I've written, I'm not someone that likes to give excuses. But then when you look at the rest of college football and the way that they're playing, I'm wondering if maybe we're not giving enough credit. Well, not enough credit. Enough, what's the word? I don't know if we're giving enough consideration, that's the word, to what it's like coming off the pandemic season. I think everyone kind of thought for all these teams that the pandemic is over. It's just going to be good. You know, there's not going to be any, you know, like hangover from that. But some of the things that I think about is like a lot of these players who are playing for Ohio State got zero playing time last year. Partially because we were played all Big Ten, so there wasn't the blowouts. There was a bunch of players with COVID. We we were a very old team with a bunch of people leaving, and I think it's like that in a lot of places. Yeah, nationally right. too. I mean, Clemson, Alabama, uh, Florida, even like you just look up and down the list. The team that returns the most players was Georgia, and they've looked the most crisp through three weeks so far. Yeah, I mean, USC lost to Stanford. Um, Washington hasn't held a team. Even Michigan, who's looking well, they can't throw the ball at all. They only they can only run, which you know, eventually's probably going to bite them. And you know, bite them. Yeah. I mean, um, regardless of how you feel about them, but Nebraska puts a different team on the field every single game. Yeah. Like I, I know absolutely nothing about Nebraska. Like, are they the team that got beat by Illinois, or are they the team that only lost by seven to Oklahoma and had a chance to win? Like, I don't and know. Oklahoma's had two close games against Tulane and Nebraska, and we think Nebraska's terrible yeah. generally. Who is – who is? I mean, speaking of, who is Notre yeah. Dame? I mean, they were in a close game with Purdue up until, you know, the fourth quarter, and they almost and maybe should have lost their first two games. One of the teams they beat loses to Jacksonville State. So, yeah, I, I think I – think- what we have to take a step back and look at is the world of college football around Ohio state and see that there's not a perfect team out there right now. There's not a perfect football team. And nobody really looks good. (laughs) And you got to think outside. Like, I think there's an issue at quarterback. I do. I'll be honest. We're going to get to that probably in a little bit, but 
I think outside of that, I think I've seen improvement from the linebackers week to week. I know it's Tulsa, but I think they got better this week. I think the defensive backs played a much more competitive game this week. And, you know, you look at some of the mixtures and coverage and uh, all that, I think you just saw a more – you saw more energy from the defensive side. The offensive side of the ball mm-hmm. uh, looked a lot different this week, and that's why I think, you know, we might have to start looking into that quarterback room a little bit. Uh, so I think there's still a long time left in this season. Uh, there's still – nine regular season games left and from now until week seven we could have a whole different tone but i still think disappointment's fine i think that's a very valid emotion i think there's a lot of negatives that came away from this game still but i don't want to be it's for sure a glass half empty half full type time right now yeah i i mean i agree 100 percent, and i think um I really think the best thing that we can do is just kind of, you know, tell you what happened. And I know Ohio State fans are going to be doom and gloom, which honestly makes me want to be less doom and gloom because that's what the rest of the fan base is going to be. But if nothing else, (laughs) there was negatives. But I do think there were more positives than negatives, especially, and I will say this, and this is like the stupidest thing I've ever said, there were no new problems. And, And unfortunately, where Ohio State is at, you almost have to celebrate that there was not a new problem. Like the past defense wasn't great, but we knew that coming into the season. That means they haven't fixed it, which is not going to make anyone happy. But we, I'm still team fire everyone on the defensive coaching staff at the end of the season. So there was not a new problem that came up from Oregon, and they fixed the other problems. Tulsa didn't get outside on us at all. They didn't run the ball at all. Um, the linebackers, for the most part, played a little bit better. There were some, and and some of the and the the defense as a whole, in my opinion, played with a little bit more pride. And I think some of the issues weren't players. I think it was like I think it was just I think it was coaching. And I've already said that. I've written two articles that I think the issue is coaching. I don't think the coaches put them in the best position to win. Um, and that's showcased on um, one of the routes that we talked about on that touchdown that Lathan Ransom gave up, um, not to get too you know deep into technique and things like that, but when you play bunch, there's two checks you're supposed to make. Well, there's one check and one technique you're supposed to play that Ohio State didn't either. You either play zone because you know they're going to pick you, and that's the only way not to get picked, or you play bracket coverage. And anyone who doesn't know what bracket coverage in the simplest terms there's three wide receiver. There's three players. The player, one player gets goes. Well, the player on the left gets whoever goes left. Doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter what position. The player closest to the sideline gets whoever runs to the sidelines. The player in the middle gets whoever runs straight. The player on the right gets whoever runs left and who runs inside. And that stops them from being able to pick you and things like that because you don't stay with the person in front of you. You guard an area. Yeah. You have inside, outside, or deep. And if, and they're always going there's three reps. So someone's always going to run inside, outside, yeah. and deep. Always. And if you are going to stick with the man, uh the guy pressing actually needs to press and disrupt the timing of the play. Which Ohio State's defense does not do, does not do and it makes no there's no benefit to press you are at you're at a disadvantage if you're that close to the line of scrimmage unless you put your hands on the wide receiver, which is why no one plays that close to the wide receiver except the corners. Everyone else plays at depth because that's the only advantage you have on defense. 
except obviously the defensive line, and they always put their hands on the person in front of them. If you play press, you have to actually press. Yep, no, for sure. And I think I think those are like the small mistakes, though, that, uh, you know, rather than having it whole identity issues, like this week there are small mistakes that you could go on film and be like, we clean this up, next week we're better. And, and I think that's honestly where we're at with Ohio State is they just have to get better week in and week out. And I think we talked about how they have a four-week stretch and we didn't really give them that four weeks. Like, we kind of knew they were bad, and then we expected perfection this week. And that's partially my that's fault, too. Like, I expected, Yeah, I expected Ohio State to blow out Tulsa. And technically, a 21-point victory is a blowout. But, like, I'm thinking they're putting up six, 50, 60 points. And it's like, mm, I probably shouldn't have thought that. Yeah, and I think that's something when you really get into what we expect from Ohio State that, you know, you still have that expectation. The greatness still needs to be expected, but there also has to be some reasonable expectations coming from what happened at Oregon to the improvements this week, to the improvements next week until the end of the season. And I think, I think there was enough positive this week to uh, keep the momentum going into next week against an even worse football team in Akron. Yeah. And now this week, so my prediction going into the game was like 56 to six. And, uh, it didn't happen. Uh, next week, if 56-6 to six doesn't happen, I'm going to be very upset because Akron <laughs> might be the worst team in the MAC. Well, I, I predicted th- that – well, Akron is the second worst team in the MAC. Bowling Green's worse. Um, but Akron's one of the worst teams in the country. Um, I predicted – I predicted that they would score 13 points. And up until like the second to last drive, I was doing great. Yeah. I was like two field goals and a touchdown. That's going to be it. I mean, the last touchdown, whatever. But so we're 15 minutes into this and haven't given any stats or actually told you what happened. So if you didn't watch the game and you only came here to figure out what happened, we apologize. Um, Ohio State beat Tulsa 51 to 21. Um I'm literally looking at it, and I said 50. <laughs> I do that all the time. And it's, and it's on two different things. Like, I have the stats up on one tab, and I have it typed in my notes. And I, Okay. Everyone makes mistakes. If Ohio State can make mistakes, I can make mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Ohio State beat Tulsa 41-20. to 20. Um, It was 13-6 at half, so there was a slight offensive explosion in the second half. But I don't know if I would consider that because the offense did not look great. Um, so just some – just some stats. Um, Stroud finished 15 of 25 for 185 yards, one touchdown and one interception. Uh, Trey Henderson had 24 carries, 277 yards and three touchdowns. Um, and Garrett Wilson had six receptions for 70 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Davis Brin, Tulsa's quarterback, threw 32 for 55, 32 out of 55 for 428 yards. And I didn't put his touchdown stats, but does he have any passing two touchdowns? touchdowns. Yeah, I don't know how I did that. How, how I missed it. He had two touchdowns and two other The first two so. touchdowns passing Tulsa scored all year. Uh, of course, they came against us. Lovely. And then, the you know, we spoke on some positives. <laughs> One of the positives is as an entire team, they only rushed for 73 yards total the entire game. And that is an average of 2.6 yards per game. And they did what we did last week where they got down a little bit and completely gave up on the run. But with how Ohio State's run defense was, I would have too. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, they're deep, like from from snap from you know fifteen seconds in the first quarter, their run defense was good. Yeah. So, it it was it was a. I know it's Tulsa, and I I think Tulsa's actually you know they've struggled early, but I think uh, you know they got upset by UC Davis. Uh, yeah, no, honestly, this is still a pretty bad game. Honestly, I'm looking back at what Tulsa did before this. They're zero and three. Yeah, but there are positives, and we need to take what we can get right now. Honestly, so um, speaking of the positives, let, let's well let let's start with the negatives and then end positively. Yeah. Because once I start talking about Trey Henderson, I don't want to talk nothing else. That's negative. true. That's good so point. we already. We already talked about it. The pass defense wasn't great. Some of that was technique. Some of it, I think, was uh, a slight positive spin. Some of it was, I think, just not being used to playing what they played. They played a lot of zone. And Davis Brin, shout out to him. Well, partially, major negative, there was no pass rush. So when there's absolutely no pass rush, you can pick apart zone. But shout out to him. He did stay tall in the pocket, and he found some completions. Um, One thing I will say, because – we're positive negative thing here. There wasn't a whole lot of completions early, which really emphasizes the negative of the pass rush. Like Davis Brin had to sit back there for a while. So if we could ever get a pass rush, I think the pass defense can be fixed a little bit, but I haven't seen anything yet that tells me we're going to have a pass yeah. rush at all. Unless year. they start playing the young guys who ended up getting a pass rush. Yeah, I mean, they just literally just give us, like, give me my call, Tyleek Williams, who I don't know if my call has played at all. Uh, give me my call, Tyleek Williams, JTT, and Jack Sawyer, and just see if they can yeah, do and it. I think I think when you look at their pass offense, I think a lot of that can be attributed to the lack of pass rush. I, I think when you really I, get down to it, anytime Ohio State got any semblance of a hurry, any semblance of pushing Davis Brin in the pocket at all, his accuracy went completely out the window. So, yeah. and then there's times where he made some really good throws down the sideline or up the field in the middle where the DBs made great plays. So outside of the plays where uh, either the DBs didn't make perfect coverage or there's no pass rush. So if they could ever get some continuity with that, like the defense will take steps forward if they could just get a pass rush. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, watching it, like that's and that's what I was trying to say. I think maybe you said it a little bit better than me. Like the defense, the defense uh, linebackers and corners and can only play for so yeah. long. And zone is not something you're supposed to sit in forever because a good team, as we always say, they're on scholarship too, will find openings in the zone. And so trying to put a positive spin on a negative, as I've mentioned, there were not a whole bunch of wide open people early. So if the pass rush could ever get fixed, that takes that away a lot. But when you're asking them to play zone for five, six, seven, eight seconds, and there's no pressure and the quarterback can just sit down there, you're going to get beat every time. And I think that's what happened. Yeah, and it it really puts the defensive backs at a disadvantage, but it really puts the linebackers into a bind when you give the receivers time to find those holes, sit behind them, and then they're either chasing someone else because – it's already been three or four seconds, and then there's just someone sitting wide open in the middle. So there's no reason with Ohio State's level of talent on the defensive line that a quarterback should ever have five or six seconds to throw. And honestly, it got to the point this game where they were actually getting back there, but they just weren't able to get get them down. Uh-uh. 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really. That's one I'm point not, I'm not excited about in the future. Like when we talk about things we're excited for, it's not the pass rush. No, I like I, I don't have anything positive to say. I literally got to a certain point because for the last week and a half, I've been saying fire everyone on defense. But Larry Johnson, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, maybe we should look at Larry Johnson because the pass rush is just non-existent. And I don't know what's going on. And honestly, we should have known this was coming because two years ago, the pass rush wasn't good. We just had Chase Young. Like, we, we talked about it, and we, we especially talked about it when we did, uh, if anyone's been listening to us since the summer, we especially talked about it when we did the defensive line because we talked about how we used to have good people so good that they were still drafted high and you couldn't key on Joey and Nick Bosa. Yeah. Well, they keyed on Chase Young because there was no one else. So, really, the pass rush has been bad for three years. Yeah, and, you know, when you don't want to mix in blitzes, which Ohio State did increase the blitz rate today. Uh, that's a positive. I was happy about that. Uh, they did do that, and I think that's going to help open up a little bit more on the offensive line. Yeah, and I think that's another thing that um, gets better. We've never blitzed before, so you know, three four weeks of doing it, three four weeks of practice. I think they get better. Yeah. They they see their angles a little bit. It opens up a little bit more. Um, I think for the most part, Matt Barnes who. Uh, I guess we should also say that was calling plays. I think he called pretty good plays. Yeah. And outside of the instance where they blitzed and there was a defensive end on a on a, uh, a running back running back running a wheel and maybe one or two other plays, it doesn't feel like they called the wrong coverage at the wrong time, yeah. which it felt like a lot with Kerry Cooper. Yeah, and I think one thing about Matt Barnes and you could tell like the first quarter, those two long drives to start the game that they ended up with field goals, uh, it didn't feel like he had he was getting his feet wet, it felt like. Right. And, you know, once he got his feet wet a little bit, he was calling a nice aggressive defense. He was mixing up and coverages. Was, he was mixing up blitz packages. He was stunning the defense some, linemen. Like it was it was complete it was a whole one eighty. Yeah, I mean like the the end game wasn't great when you look at the stats, but watching it, there were some new things. I mean, we saw two high safeties. Yeah, we saw blitzes. We saw two man we under. Two, literally, we saw two man under. We saw um, what did you just say? Stunts by the defensive yeah. line. Like there was twists. Like there were things that weren't there, and it felt like the it, defense wasn't just lining straight up and hoping that they wouldn't do something to beat their coverage. Yeah, and I I like that. It's give it a, give them a shot. That's what I'm gonna say. Ultimately, they was give them a shot. You and know, they tried, and it did look. And different. you know, they still made mistakes. I mean, there's still mistakes all on the field. But like we said last week, one thing we wanted to see this week was players making mistakes 100. percent And uh, there was some D linemen, like or not D linemen, but there were some older guys who I felt didn't make them at 100. percent And then there were some young guys like Cam Martinez got shook, but he got came back and made plays like, you know, yeah. like Lathan ransom struggled at times, but he still made some plays, you know, Ronnie Hickman struggled at times. He still made some plays. And as long as you keep giving these guys opportunities to put them in position to make plays, it's going to start. They're going to start making more plays because yeah, I, that agree. Was, the I mean, we still, was like, they weren't even yeah. getting put in a position to make plays. Exactly. I mean, what we saw what for the first time in three games, we saw pass breakups. Yeah. 
the, the first two games, there was no one getting a hand on any pass throw. There were multiple pass breakups. There was a couple tipped balls. Like, there were plays to be made. Um, I mean, we had three interceptions, because I'm going to say it again. Denzel Burke intercepted that pass. Yeah. Um, there were three interceptions, and the, uh, was there a fumble? There wasn't a fumble recovery, uh-huh. was there? Yeah, there were three interceptions. There were two sacks, which is not nearly enough, but it's more than we've had. I mean, there were six tackles for a loss, which I don't have the rest of the stats up, but I'm pretty sure that's more tackles for a loss than we had. Coming into the game. Um, and Yeah, in both games. I mean, Tyleek Williams had one and a half tackles for a loss by himself. And that, that, we didn't have a player with that many up until that point. So, no, I mean, not at so all. it really, like, you look at the defense and – it sucks the offense mostly had to die for it, but there were a lot of positives defensively that like you could build on. Like last week, there was nothing to build on. It had to be all thrown out. It had to be restarted. Uh, even the first game, there was nothing to really build on. It was just bad defense that they sometimes made plays in. Uh, so now you're looking at it. Like we saw it. We saw Matt Barnes call a game. We saw the different two high looks. We saw new integrations to it. Blitzes that stuff. Now it's about how much they build on it. Right. And I might put this in a tweet because I can't remember what they were uh, exactly, but we had two sacks, six tackles for a loss, two interceptions, 10 pass breakups, and four QB hurries. The defense did not. Those stats, like half of those stats, I would imagine, are more than we've had in two games. I mean, Look at, like, we're talking about young guys, and we're saying names that we've said have played well, right? Cameron Brown, two pass breakups. Denzel Burke, two pass breakups. We've both been pretty high on them. Uh, Cam Martinez, three pass breakups. Where has he been the first two yeah. games? Bryson Shaw got one. Like, as we, I think, I don't know if you said it when we were recording or before, but Shaw played slightly better. They played uh, better Marcus, uh Yep, and then Craig Young and Tommy Eichenberg each had a pass breakup. Like, there are – it was not enough, but there are positives, and there are positives that make you think in four weeks when we're playing a good team, one of those teams who's on TV right now playing Auburn, that the, the defense could look better, potentially. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where I am at with the defense. I think, you know, the staff reshuffling, I think this is kind of Coombs just kind of chilling with his title until the end of the year. I think, honestly – Matt Barnes is kind of in a role where he could kind of prove himself for the rest of the year and maybe not like sneak into a job. He can't sneak into a job at Ohio state, but you know, he can coach himself into the role. Honestly. And I mean, he he's, and I didn't know this. So maybe a lot of people listening maybe didn't know this unless you read it or saw someone tweet about it. Matt Barnes took over play calling responsibilities at Maryland when they were going through a defensive shakeup. So he's a young coach, but he had a little bit of experience. So you take that experience, right? Yeah. And a lot of people, including myself, because I forgot, they're like, why are they putting a special teams guy on defense? Well, he essentially, because of the stain coming from that Maryland program, took a demotion to come to Ohio State because he was a defensive coach his entire career. So, you know, he has 10 games, 11 if we make it to the – 11 if we make it to the Big Ten Championship, and then 12 or 13, depending on if we make it to the playoffs or a bowl game, it's it's 12. It's a whole season. He has a whole season to make the case 
that he should not be fired when there's a reckoning on this defense. Yeah. And he has a case to at least, I don't think he should be the DC, no matter how good he is, because he is young. He's at least making a case for a co-DC role. Yeah, and I still think you would need to bring in a more veteran presence to coach with him. So even if it's Paul but, Rhodes, the analyst on staff, I was just like, gonna say you, have, you have a guy who's been there before, you have a young mind, and then you can kind of get that Halfley-Madison relationship going again. And I think that's something yeah. we could see moving forward in the future that we could start looking at. So this is really a prove-it year for Barnes defensively. And I think I think we've said our piece on the defense. Like, the offense is where I want to go now. Because I, I – I, and I, we're not starting with the positives. We are starting with the negatives. And you know me. I've been the biggest protector of Stroud online. He's young. He's in his third start. Uh, today – we went from having good and inexperienced to good, bad, and ugly to bad and ugly. That's three games and a lot of regression. Yeah. All right. So we're going to get to that. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. After the commercial, um, Chris is going to not be very nice to CJ Stroud and it's an honest conversation that we need to have so we'll be right back after the commercials why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them with Royal Caribbean you don't just go to the beach you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America you don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, well, welcome back to Land Grant Holy Land's Instant Recap. Um, Chris had a few seconds to calm down, but we are ready to have a come-to-Jesus meeting about this offense and discuss the seemingly, or not seemingly, regression of C.J. Stroud. Um, just to tee it up for Chris a little bit, I think everyone expected him to play better. Um, there was a lot of positives. I mean, Chris wrote an article where he looked at every throw he wrote, uh, every throw he made. Um, it's again Tulsa. Everyone expected him to have a pretty good game, and he had the exact opposite. So, Chris, I'm going to turn it over to you. Let, let's talk about Stroud. Yeah, and uh, Jordan, you know me. I've been one of the biggest defenders of CJ Stroud online. Uh, he's young. He's inexperienced uh he's a california kid so it's a little personal for me as well uh you know defending the great state i'm from but this game had a lot of red flags for me uh there was a ish there was issues last week you know with confidence and decisiveness and overthrows 
those issues came up this week 10 times over. And I know, I know Tulsa, they run a three, three, five. So a lot of what they do has to be window dressing, but as a quarterback, you need to be able to see right through that. And when you need a quarterback to play at a level that, and you know, we talked about it this week earlier, uh, Justin Fields is the expectation at Ohio state. Uh, you know, for whatever it's worth, uh, it's an unfair expectation. It is. Uh, but Dwayne Haskins was a great quarterback. Uh, JT Barrett was a great quarterback. There is greatness just below that level of Justin Fields. And CJ Stroud has not really come close to it when he's needed to. And yeah, he made a few big plays against Minnesota, but most of those big plays were the receivers doing most of the work. We could see that now. Uh, against Oregon, he made some awesome throws. That's why it was kind of confusing seeing how he came out this week because you saw where he could improve, and he just didn't. And it looked like he was playing scared. It looked like he was playing hesitant. It looked like he wasn't playing fundamentally sound quarterback football. It looked like like he just wasn't prepared. It looked like he was on uh, – like he wasn't focused. He wasn't engaged. And when you have guys – and this is where – the issue comes for me. You have Garrett Wilson, you have Chris Olave, and I've got words for Chris Olave too. Uh, but you have Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. You've got Travion Henderson in the backfield. Everything should be teed up for you perfectly to be a dominant quarterback. Yeah. First of all, before you continue, Chris Olave looks like he wants to be in the NFL. Yeah. And it's his fault that he's not in the NFL. I mean, listen, That's what I was there's saying. no reason for him to have all these drops. And as much as we talk about Stroud and we need to have that conversation, some of the things are, I mean, someone please, I don't know where to find it. I don't know who keeps track of drops, but he has to have four or five drops in three games. Yeah, And and some of them are in really big You moments. can tell this game, um, after Stroud missed him early once and then he overthrew that post where he was running by himself down the field, you could see his shoulders drop and he just kept running and he gave up on the play. And from there on out, his mindset and attitude changed. And that's something, you know, you got to have a look in your mirror moment with yourself on that one because you're going to cost yourself some money, Chris Olave, if you keep playing negatively. But even Garrett Wilson, like, he didn't have his normal day. He still ended up having, like, five catches for 70 yards and a touchdown. But he blocked his ass off. Like, he played hard on special teams. So Stroud struggled, without a doubt. He needs help from his receivers. He's a young quarterback. But – there were just so many overthrows, and most of his completions were completions by design. Uh, it was when Ryan Day needed to make a pass, and not C.J. Stroud needed to make a pass. It's when Ryan Day is like, hey, we need to pass here. Let's get him something easy. And even, yeah. even then, he didn't always make the throw. No, and that's my biggest issue. It's like, you know, I'm not ready to just give up on Stroud, and I know that you're not either. But there's a couple of things that you just can't have. First of all, first game, fine, I'll give it to you. Second game, it's Oregon, first home game, I'll give it to you. You cannot go through every single game and not be able to make a pass until the second yeah. half. Like, you can, like, literally, the first two drives, if I, I just knew if we had to throw on a third down, we weren't yeah. making it. He cannot make a pass in the first quarter, and you just can't have that. You can't have that at all because teams are going to key in on that. You have to be able to make throws in the first drive or the second drive to get touchdowns, to get your team into rhythm. You can't wait until the second, third, and fourth quarter, and you definitely can't wait until the second half. Like that is just um, that is just unacceptable, and it's three games. The first two games is fine. 
But you can't do it. You can't be throwing high for the first 30 and minutes. And both of the first series of the game, uh, in both games, he got the Ohio State across the 50. So you need to capitalize on those drives and immediately set the tone for the game. And, like, you start off 7-0, it's a lot better than starting off 0-0 and then them kicking a field goal and then you going back and being down 3-0 not scoring again. Because where it should have been 14-3, it ended up being 6-3. And that's not good. That's just not good. Yeah, and it's almost it's weird because, like, you know, we all remember with Dwayne Haskins, Ohio State couldn't score when they got into the red zone. But it's like with CJ, we, like, we're good from – our side up into the 50 and then from the opponent's 30 in we're pretty decent but from the 50 to their 30 our drives stall out all the time and it's an awkward position because our kickers aren't good enough to make long field goals which is fine it's college not everyone has a kicker that can make a 55 yarder it's weird to punt but you can't rely on a lot you can't rely on stroud to make quick plays so you have to run on third and fourth and short, and people are keying in on that, and then you pile in on that with freaking putting Master Teague in there or not playing Mayan Williams, and it's like you don't even have a running back in there that can just, you know, make the play happen when they need to. So it all just culminates, and it's like you just have you have to be better. You just have to be better to be Ohio State's quarterback. If you're injured, don't play. If you're not injured, Stop waiting until the second half. And he didn't even have it in the and second half. He just didn't play good the entire we, game. We today. had a conversation mid-game where we're like, it doesn't really matter if C.J. Stroud could be the starter for the rest of the year. Like, I don't care. Like, But we got to see something else. We got to see what else is there at this point. Because you hey. got McCord on the bench. You got Jack Miller on the bench. You got Quinn Ewers sitting down there. And I know Quinn's probably still not ready, so I, I'd probably not count him. But Jack Miller and Kyle McCord worked hard, too. And if CJ yeah. Stroud's going to go out and not move the offense and it's going to be all Travion Henderson, we need a more dynamic pass passer. And that's just the truth. Yeah, and it's like I try to understand, right, where it's like Ohio State fans can be wild, ourselves included. You don't want to give too much, right, where yeah. like too much hope and see too much where they don't support your quarterback. But when the quarterback's not doing anything – like, it, it's different against Minnesota and against Oregon, where for the most part he's playing well and people are calling for his head after one bad pass. But when he goes an entire game without playing well, literally, like, he did nothing to help us win. The only thing he did to help us win was hand the ball off to Travion Henderson, who were running long, so we need to start. We need to get to him. Um, but he did nothing to help us win, like, we didn't win because of Stroud. We didn't win because he made a clutch throw. I don't think he made a clutch throw the entire yeah. game. The best thing he did today was catch the snap and hand it off to Travion Henderson. And I could do that. And there's two. There's only two reasons Ohio State won this game today. And they're not reasons you want, but they're reasons that happen and you can build off of them. And, yeah, I, I mean, let's keep it going. All right. So let's talk about Travion Henderson. Um I'm ready to say that Travion Henderson is the best back Ohio State's had in my lifetime. Um, I was born in 95, so I don't remember the first five. The best back I can think of in my lifetime, who I don't really remember, would be Maurice Correct, Ezekiel Elliott, um, J.K. Dobbins. Like, I'm ready to say that Travion Henderson is better than all of them. Am I like Hold me back. Am I doing too much, or do you understand what I'm saying? I do not think you're doing too much because I think we can see the future. 
and we've seen the future all offseason, except with how Ohio State's played the first three games. And we've said Travion Henderson's going to be a superstar. It's just plain and simple. And, you know, to be even within a hand's reach of the all-time rushing record in your third game, and honestly his first real start. Uh, yeah, well, the first game where they gave him carries. The first like, game where he, had two- he got consistent work, he almost goes and breaks a record. And, yeah, we could say it's Tulsa, but he's a true freshman. Like, And they were keying in on the run because Stroud sucked, as we already and said. And this kid didn't even play his senior year in high school because of COVID. So he's literally coming in with like almost no real game work for a year and, and a half, years. almost two years. Yeah, literally. And he he comes in and does that. I mean, his first he like first of all, he had three touches in his first game. He had a touchdown. He has a touchdown in all three of his games as Ohio State. If he keeps that up, that's twelve touchdowns as a freshman. That's a lot. But then he's going to have multiple touchdowns like this. He has four touchdowns in three games. And again, he probably has – so he had 24 carries today. I know we don't have the stats, but just try to think back. Do you think he has more than 40 touches total? Do you think he had 16 touches in the first two games? Um, I think it's probably right at – probably right around 20, honestly. He got got like 12 carries in that second game, and I think he had seven touches in that – first game so it'd have to be at the receiving in that second game that kind of takes it so he has he has four he has 40 ish touches and four touchdowns in three games as a freshman a 277 yard rushing performance um wait no no no, i'm off he has five touchdowns he had three touchdowns yeah i was only giving him credit for two he has five touchdowns on 40 ish touches in three total games and that is what absurd. And like you can just see the difference: twenty-four carries, eleven point five yard average. Uh, Master T. I mean, honestly, Master T didn't even play bad. He just had to be compared to Travion Henderson. Yeah, it's like Master Teague looks good if he played at anywhere else that's not Ohio State because he's still average. You, I think maybe you still have it up. Four point four, like six yards a carry. Four point. That's- that's not terrible. And like two of them were just run. Like he had three or four runs where he just had to hit the back of the line and fall down. So you take those yeah. out, he probably averaged like six or seven yards per carry. And it's like that's fine. That is that's okay. That's a support back. When you have a yeah, when you have a running back who's doing eleven, everything looks bad. So I mean, Travion Henderson had the game of his career. Um, and and the crazy thing about it is, it doesn't look like it's going to be the best game he's ever had. Yeah, like it just doesn't. It, doesn't. it didn't even really feel like he even got into his second gear, honestly. No, it didn't look like he tried hard. Yeah, and that's that's honestly the testament to a great football player. Like when it looks like you're not even trying, and you're doing stuff that people on their best day ever couldn't accomplish. Like that's yeah. that's the, the testament of greatness. Yeah, and the best thing about it for me personally is when he got to certain places, and <clears throat> I love J.K. Dobbins. I just want to state this. Um, I've told everyone, and I'm so sad that he got injured because I've been telling everyone for two years that he was going to be the starting running back of the Ravens and they need to draft him in fantasy. But the difference between him and J.K. is obvious. Once he got into the open field, I did not think he was going to get tackled. 
And he showed it because it wasn't just like open plays. He broke tackles on all of his long runs. Yeah. Like the, the move he put on the safety on that first touchdown, that safety had no chance. That play was like – And they always uh, – Of all the plays throughout the day, that was like the one where I'm like, that's absolute. that's electric. That's, that's what I want yeah. to see from everybody. Yeah, I mean, he, he runs through, he open, runs a hole, he breaks an arm tackle, gets up on the safety, sets him up perfectly. Anyone, Everyone knows that, like, running back coaches tell you, you never get tackled one-on-one by the safety. Like, if you get tackled one, like, that's why running backs are always, like, punching the ground and stuff like that. Running backs feel like they're talented enough that they should never, ever get tackled one-on-one by a safety if they get squared up. Like, obviously, if they catch you from behind, whatever, but if you square up that safety, you should never get tackled. He sets up the safety, breaks him off, goes outside. Someone has a chance to tackle him at, like, the 10-yard line. He he shrugs that off, touchdown. Like, that run had everything you wanted to see. It was incredible, and it's like you said, like, when you see that one-on-one matchup with the safety, that's what separates good running backs. So that's Master Teague. He always gets tackled by the safety. And great running backs. Every time. Uh, Travion Henderson, who can make the safety miss? I mean, Travion Henderson is good enough that, like, safeties are going to fear being one-on-one with him. It's one of those things I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy. Actually, I would. I'd wish it upon a lot of teams, but but not my – like, if I'm playing, like, it's it's definitely something I'd be scared of for sure. No. Because he's stronger than most of these guys too. So, like, what? Yeah, and he's stronger than he looks. You're going to get run over or you're just going to get absolutely shaken. And that either one, it looks bad either way. And that's the thing. That's the thing that, like, irritates me sometimes is, like, he's a complete back. Like, he is a complete back. And now you can't say that about everyone. J.K. was also a complete back. Like, he can get those tough two or three yards. Yeah. But then he can also break them. So, it's like – yeah, I mean, this he's for sure our best running back since Zeke. No offense to Joe. Oh, J.K., I mean, it, it, he's the next one in line. He's the next one in line. Yeah, the best I, I don't want to do, I I don't do, wanna do like comparisons. Yeah, he's, but the next, like, he's the next great one. Yeah, and he's what we were missing in some of those years, like, you know, last year and some of the other ones. Like, yeah. And that's why everyone was excited. And we knew last year was happening because the running back recruiting had fell off and all that other kind of stuff. So um, <clears throat> he's the next one. He's everything that he was supposed to be. Yeah. So, um, we're running long, so let's run through some of these things. Uh, I put up my favorite moments. I have three of them. Um, obviously, if you have different ones, you can you can put them up. But uh, my favorite moments, uh, Burke's interception, that was an interception. It was. And one of the reasons it was my favorite moment is Burke just made a play. like, And he, he plays through the ball really, really well. Yeah. And he didn't look for the ball. Um, and he wasn't in great position. Like, that was a really good route. But he's so quick, which we talked about. His recovery speed is really good. He puts his arm in there. And then once he realizes the ball's there, he just takes it. And it's not a catch. Dude, his arm was in there, so dude couldn't have caught it. If nothing else, you call it incomplete. But, like, watching it, I, I, he didn't know the ball was I've there. Never he seen tried to break it up. someone catch a ball with two fists. That's all I'm saying. You can't. You can't. It can't. It's not a completion until you have your hands on it. Like, like you can't. This isn't and, a completion. And, like, no. And so that was the interception, and it just showed, like, that he has game-breaking ability because, again, watch the replay. I'm not lying. He was not going for the ball. He was trying to make a breakup and then realized the ball was there and just took it away yeah. from him. That was a great play. Um, Trey's 48-yard touchdown, which we just talked about in detail, so we don't have to talk about it again, uh, but his first touchdown. And then Cam Martinez's pick six. Where, like – 
before I go off on this, was Cam injured? Is that why you didn't play the first two games? No. Because he played really. He, he played okay. in both. So of them. now I'm angry. He played in both of them. He just didn't play that much. But he looked good. Am that's I tripping? That's why I like, played the game. Good. I was like, well, number one, because I called it. I'm like, a pick six would be nice there for the box score Raiders. <laughs> so like, it looks a little better, forty-one to twenty, because I knew if we just made them turn it over on downs or something, that they were just gonna eat the clock and win thirty-four to twenty. But forty-one to twenty looks a lot better, and no one could say yeah. anything different. Um. I just can't I, – I, I think that was my favorite play of the game because it was all young guys, even the blocks. You saw Denzel Burke lay a block. You saw Bryson Shaw yep. still technically a young guy lay a block. You saw Ronnie Hickman lay a block, also a young guy. Uh, it was all young guys making that convoy. And it was like I'm literally seeing the future in front of my eyes right now. I'm seeing the next eight yeah. weeks, and that's why it was my favorite play. No, I, I agree 100%. Which, I mean, all of my favorite plays were young guys. They're all freshmen. They're true freshmen. And then, in, add, it's, it's a yeah, freshman. And then add Tyleek Williams' sack to that list for me. Yeah. And that's probably my fourth favorite play. And all young guys. All young guys. Um, uh, Shaw, and Shaw so, had a monster hit yeah. that I liked. That was pretty sweet. That and was, so did Eichenberg. So I'm going to give them some credit this week after all the hate throughout the week. Uh, they played better. They played better. Uh, Tommy Eichenberg almost killed a man. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I just that was like if you're going to be that big and kind of slow at linebacker, you at least need to kill yeah. anyone that ever dares to be in front of you. And he did and that. credit where it's due, he played that middle hole really well with his eyes, uh, felt it coming. The guy threw it, and then he just delivered a shot. And like that guy, that guy went down. I would have went down too. I yeah. probably would have knocked the wind out of him <laughs> for sure. So yeah, I mean. Eichenberg is young. He has young a chance guy. to stop being. He has a chance to stop being tough Borland and be poor Pete Warner, and not Pete Warner in versatility, just like how like like ability. Pete, yeah, like nobody thinks Pete Warner was the best linebacker we've ever had, but we all like him. So he has a, he has a chance to you know uh, redo his. Well, build his leg. I mean, he's played two games, so he yeah. can build his legacy. Yeah, but those first two games were bad. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to dig and out. And you know what? Hole. Bryson Shaw <laughs> getting to play in a too high look and not being in as many man to man situations and not being the responsible one high safety, you know, that's his role. He looked a little looked bit He looked a little more comfortable, honestly. Yeah. And yeah. My, my biggest concern is when Bryson Shaw, it's just like we talked about, you don't want nobody one on one with the yeah. safety. And, and I'm not sure that he's ever going to win uh, that battle. Strike yeah. fear into anyone. So. Um, so, player of the game, obviously, Trey, Trey Henderson. Yeah, no questions. Um, injury, suspensions, etc. Thayer Mumford got injured. He got rolled up on and didn't come back. Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to minimize any injury, um, but it, it does give me a little bit of pride in the sense that Matthew Jones fought really hard for that position. Yeah. Uh, and there was a chance that he was going to get the start. So I don't think it's a major drop-off. But as far as leadership, game experience, all of that kind of stuff, it's a huge drop-off. So I really hope um, that he's healthy and it's not a major injury. He didn't come back. He got carted off. So we'll definitely be looking for that. Um, Do you have any final thoughts or opinions? Oh, I I just want to end this on a positive note. You know, it's kind of been a roller coaster of a show with positive and negatives. Uh, You know, I don't think anyone should be out on this team. I think the positives of this game uh, outweigh the negatives to me. Uh, You know, they gave up two touchdowns late, but overall I think the defense played a really good three-quarter game. 
I don't think they put together a complete game, which I didn't expect them to this week. Honestly, I hoped, but I didn't. I think I, I, I think we talked about this pre-show, but offensively, I'm not worried at all. Uh, Ryan Day is going to figure it out. Uh, I think yeah. for 23 games, you know, he's earned the trust. Uh, and they still they still scored 34 yeah. points. And if 30 if 34 points is a bad offensive game, there's a lot of offenses in the country who would love to have yeah. that. And it felt like you know. Uh, schematically, he found the role. It's like when Justin Fields was struggling. He just ran the back, and it worked. And they said, we're going to beat you that way. So I think I think I trust Ryan Day more than I trust anybody. Uh, so I think the, the offense will be fine. Uh, but I just want everyone to know that building the first, the first foundation of rebuilding this defense was set in this game, and I think that's exciting. And I think next week, like we said, we're playing, I think, the 123rd-ranked team uh, in the country – so, uh, this game is a sixty-three to three game, where it's a failure. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I'm gonna end in a positive. As we're wrapping this up, Clemson is up fourteen to six, and they're fourth and goal away in a two-point conversion of going to overtime with Georgia Tech. Everyone in college football sucks, and to say you know to repeat, Chris. This was the the building blocks of the future, and even if we don't see it this year. All of these guys, all the important players, every name that we keep mentioning is going to be here next year. I know it's Ohio State, and nobody wants to talk about next year, and I'm not punting on this season, I promise. This year is still very much up for grabs. Yeah, I agree with Chris that they're building blocks. Offense will get it together. Everyone sucks. I mean, again, teams have to score 35 points to beat us still, even with all of our struggles, Um, but – they're positives, and I hope that you you know don't spend the rest of this week cussing and crying and all the other stuff that Ohio State fans do all the time. And you you sit down and, and find some of the positives. And that that is that's how that's how we're ending it, right? Because why why go any longer? Uh, yeah. So next week we have Akron um, at seven thirty, which is a freaking joke, and I won't talk about it. Um, we game. have to do. Like, we have to do a, we have to do an instant recap podcast for Akron at midnight. So, um, other than that, you know, Buckeyes got to win, and that's all that matters. Go Bucks! Go Bucks!